welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Amen. All right. Well, we are in week two of Too Far From The Farm, and uh, the, today we're going to be looking at the life is in the blood. All right. We're going to be looking at the life is in the blood. Now, last week we looked at uh, the soil and we looked at amending the soil and making it better. And I want to say thank you. I've never received more positive emails in my life. Thank you. I mean, people were like preaching it to me. Even, I even got help on the manure sermon. All right, so we're, it was a great, great week. And today we're going to look at the life is in the blood. And you wonder, where does that come from? In Leviticus chapter 17, verse 14, it says, the life of every creature is in its blood. That is why I've said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood for the life of any creature is in the blood. So whoever consumes blood will be cut off from the community, very strong words about blood. And so we see the importance of blood. We see um, in Hebrews 9.22, it says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, it's incredibly important. Blood is very important and we're so far from the farm we're so far removed from this, we don't understand sacrifices, we don't understand all this. And I do want to say just a quick word to um, any vegetarians. You're like, all right, he's talking about, even if you're a vegetarian, there's great lessons to be learned here. You're even farther from the farm. No, all right, you're like, all right. You're organic farm, all right, I got it, I got it, I got it. Um, and I also want to say to those that are squeamish about blood, um, you know, there's no animals that are gonna be harmed in this, all right? We, had a, we have a butcher in our church. He has a wonderful place. Oh, he goes to our Minotristic campus, he and his wife, and a great testimony. They offered for us to go to the place, to the butcher shop. We stayed on the farm, all right? So we stayed on the farm, we didn't go there, and uh, there's no blood in the video, and some people get squeamish. I mean, one time when Becca was preaching, and I can't remember what the illustration was, but she was talking about the blood, and all of a sudden, somebody interrupted her. Now, Becca, you know, like for her, she's preaching and she's very focused. And somebody screamed like, she needs a doctor. And somebody passed out. Turned out she was fine. She just heard blood and boo, passed out. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I know there's some people like that. So we're going to try to keep this just on the farm. All right. So let's go back to the farm so we can understand this lesson. Life is in the blood. We're continuing our series, Too Far From The Farm, and I'm here with Rory Groves, and I'm so grateful that he's opened up his family, his farm, and his insights to help us understand God's Word better. I want to talk just a little bit now today about the life is in the blood. We read that scripture. Most people are so far removed from that. Anything like we buy all of our meat packaged, processed. Mm -hmm. um, if there even is a little blood with a steak, even me mentioning this, maybe some people are squeamish, but talk to us about the life is in the blood and what is God revealed to you on the farm in that concept? Yeah, that's one of the, the first things that you're confronted with when you get out into a farm life or try to live a more self-sufficient, connected to the land. One of the things you run into right away is it's dirty, it's smelly, it can be dangerous, and you have to deal with death. We raised 100 broiler chickens this year. We lost 30 of them. 
either to heat stroke in some really hot days yeah. or raccoons. So that is part of the natural thing that you are insulated from now, more or less. You, you never have to think about, for example, if I'm gonna raise a lamb that's gonna feed our family, I have to think about that nine or 10 months in advance. Right. So what's gonna be feeding me next winter, 24, 25, I'll have to raise this upcoming fall and spring, help to start that process. So you're thinking way further out. But then there's the whole aspect of you're raising these animals for a reason. Eventually they're gonna be food for our family. Right. And that necessitates having to get comfortable with the idea of butchering, processing animals that you have raised and cared for. And that's something that I had never had to be confronted with prior to moving to a farm and moving this direction. Nothing gets more far shot than a tractor. What do we got going on here? This is essentially what we're talking about right. when we're butchering the animals. And so you have raised and cared and all of that comes back into one moment where you have to end the life of the animal. And it's just such a surreal experience to do that yourself. You know, for the first several years we were here, we never did it ourselves. We took them somewhere and I, had someone else. Oh, okay, so you went right? from anonymous meat yeah. to meat that we raised that somebody else somebody did else that. Somebody else processed. And then now you do to it. To taking it full circle on wow. our own farm with my own hands. To have to go through that process is something I had never done before. We felt the weight of the blood of the sacrifice. That's such a statement. We could feel it in a way. I don't you, think we feel yeah. the weight of the blood. And, and life is draining away from the animal and it's just something you don't have to look on. We, we kind of, we can have other people or other things do that for us. Right. We don't have to confront the cost of the death. But so that all relates back to, this is what I was saying before about our kids experiencing the weight of that, the gravity of it, and using again another opportunity to disciple and say, you know, when, when it says that sin brings death uh, and the sacrifice for sin and all, all of the things that Christ did for us, this is the visceral reality of right. what did those disciples see with Christ on the cross? What yep. were they looking at? Right. They were seeing someone whose life was, was draining out of them in that very moment. Yeah as a covering for their sins. And so th those are all just, it, you don't even know it, Rob, until you, you, you're doing it and all of a sudden you realize, oh my word, this is a teaching moment. I just found myself, I just thought I was yeah. gonna learn how to butcher an animal today. All of a sudden there's this spiritual epiphany that you're having and you're relating it and you're experiencing it together and you're thanking God. Well, and it makes yeah. praying over your meal totally different. Yeah. Like, I think about so many people that go out to eat at restaurants, they don't pray, or if they do, they're like, thanks God, amen, you know? And yeah. it's kinda like, wait, wait, wait. Oh. Something lived and died yeah. for you to eat this. So I could have life. So you could have life. Yeah. There's a whole lesson in this. We should pray with greater appreciation. Absolutely, and, and again, I think it goes back to relationships again. We have formed a relationship with the land, with the animals. So when we pray a prayer of thanksgiving for the food that's on our plates, yeah, we are deeply grateful. It's not taken for granted. We put a lot of work into it, and there was a cost to getting that. 
You ever hear the story about Benjamin Franklin that he said to his dad they were butchering the animals and he said, hey dad, can we just pray over them right now before we butcher them and then we won't have to pray at the table? Because <laughs> they have so many meals covered yeah, at all like, one time. He's like, we just cover it. <laughs> one prayer covers it all. No. And his dad was like, no, that's not it. That's not how it is. Remember every time you eat. Yes, yes, yes. We don't have to pray, we get to pray. And I just want to challenge church that we should pray wherever we are over our food and be thankful. And uh, whether you're in a restaurant, whether you're by yourself on an airplane, especially at the family table, that we should pray and thank God and realize the life and then also the effort that went into the meal that we're enjoying and to thank God for his provision. Now, I said in the video, and I said this like about packaged meat, and um, I have some here. Um, so many of us, this is as close to the farm as we get right here. And uh, we forget, we don't understand the weight of the blood. We just weigh out the meat and then pay for it. And uh, for many of us, it's wrapped in paper. And for others, it's wrapped in the cellophane. And, and they even have, how many know they even have like this little absorption pad there underneath? Like in case any blood leaks out or of this, we're going to absorb it for you and you won't even see it. And it comes ready. No because there's not farmers picking this off the tree. Did you know that? Like, this is actually an animal that was there. There was really a, a, a cow and a pig behind that, and they actually had life in them. Um, one family, we are so far from the farm. We don't, I mean, we, most of us have never had to do anything like taking the life of the animal that we're about to eat. One of our, uh, one of the families in the church, uh, their son married uh, the daughter of a missionary in Africa, and when they went over there to visit the family, it was tradition that the father of the bride would give a goat to the father of the groom, and then the father of the groom would kill the goat and feed the village. And so this person from our Shakopee campus went there and said, what, what am I doing? Yeah, that's a long way from Shakopee. All right, yeah, so they had to do that. So in the Bible days, though, they were very familiar with uh, the blood and the life. And you've got to understand that blood in the Bible is regarded as precious by God. Blood is regarded as sacred. I mean, he even gives his people uh, laws and rules like, here's how you will sacrifice. Here's how you will kill an animal that you're going to consume the food of. Here's how you will eat it. You will not eat the blood. He's like, if an animal was strangled and it didn't bleed out, you're not eating that one. I mean, it was very serious. And as I did it, the series, the B-I-B-L-E, and I talked about different things that are in the Bible that God was saying, I want you to stand out from culture. This was something where they stood out from culture because the Egyptians would actually bathe as a form of rejuvenation in blood to rejuvenate and to recuperate. They would bathe in blood. And God's like, you're not gonna do that. You're not gonna eat the blood. You're, the blood is sacred. The ancient Greeks and Romans, they were known to drink the blood of their defeated enemies. They'd actually drink the blood of the people that they conquered, but not the people of God. God's like, life is in the blood. Even in the book of Acts, they're like, well, that's, you know, Old Testament. Even in the book of Acts, when they're getting things started and they have Gentiles coming into the family of God and accepting Jesus, they're like, all right, abstain from sexual immorality, um, abstain from meat with blood. We've got to teach them about that. I mean, it was a pretty big deal that there was an importance on the blood. God was saying the people of God are going to be different. 
And they were very familiar with seeing blood, not just on the farm or in the herd. They were familiar with seeing blood because of the sacrifices. When they would come to sacrifice, when they would come to do that and come to the temple and make a sacrifice, they were familiar with seeing the priest dressed in white, but covered in blood, that they had been sacrificing all day these animals, and they would do these uh, hundreds of thousands. Matter of fact, if you wonder, Solomon, the Bible says, when he dedicated the temple, if you add up all the animals that he sacrificed, he sacrificed 144,000 animals when they opened up the temple. How many know they were familiar with blood? Josephus, the historian, tells us that during the Passover, that one time they counted 256,000 animals being sacrificed during the Passover. I mean, there were laws on touching blood, hemorrhages, menstruating. There were laws on wounds. They were familiar with blood. And it goes back to also the life is in the blood. Charles Spurgeon, the great preacher, he said this, blood therefore is the mysterious link between matter and spirit. And God's like, the life is in the blood. When the blood leaves you, your life on earth is over. The body part is over and it's all spirit. The life is in the blood. It's like that link. And when it's gone, it's over. Recently, um, our son Logan, his wife, Mac, we call her Mac, um, her brother, okay, if you're tracking, Logan's wife, Mac, her brother, felt just woozy. He just felt terrible. He went to the doctor. He said, we don't know what it is. He went back the next day. I feel terrible. He called his sister, Mac. He said, you got to bring me to the doctor. And she brought him in and, and they said, we don't know what's going on, but you're losing all your blood. And they quick, they were in Cannon Falls. They said, we have two units of blood. That's all we have. We're going to give it to you right now. We're going to medevac you to Mayo. And they did that. And they said, we're, we're praying that this is, is the right, we don't have time to type you. We've got to try to save your life. And they did that, medevac him to Mayo. And he lived, praise God, because of a blood being put into him and also a tenacious sister that was like, I'm bringing you to the doctor right now. And there she's like, do it. Get him on the plane, get him on the uh, helicopter, let's go. But the life is in the blood and we all prayed for his recovery and we saw him recover and live, but it was critical that the life is in the blood and blood is so important. And in one ounce of blood, there's 150 billion red blood cells. In one pint, there's 2.4 trillion blood cells. We make 17 million blood cells per second. Every second, we're making 17 million blood cells. Blood is 7% of your body weight and blood occurs 360 times in the Old Testament and 96 times in the New Testament. But we are so callous as a people. God's like, don't shed blood. The life is in the blood. Even when you take an animal's life, which was authorized, they could eat the animals. But he's like, when you do this, this is how you do it with dignity. This is what you do and how you take the blood and the life. And he's like, this is how, but we're so callous as a society. We have movies that glorify it. We have video games that do that. I mean, we are so far, from, we are not just too far from the farm, we're too far from church, okay? Like, we, like we're so callous with what's going on. People are taking lives and just thinking nothing of it. That's a life. The life is in the blood. Now in the Old Testament, the first mention of blood specifically is in Genesis 4. I guess you could look at Genesis chapter 3 where God sacrifices animals and makes coats for Adam and Eve. But the first specific mention of blood in Genesis chapter 4, it's with Cain and Abel. And Cain kills his brother Abel. They're both bringing sacrifices to the Lord. 
Abel brings a sacrifice that's acceptable. Cain doesn't. There's jealousy in there. And the Bible says that Cain goes and kills his brother. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 4.10, it says that the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Isn't that interesting? We have the first mention of blood. We have really, we have the first murder happening. And what does God say? He said, the blood of your brother is crying out to me right now. Think about that. And what was the blood crying out of Abel? Abel's blood was crying out, God, justice, revenge. And his blood is like, this is not right. Justice, revenge, that's what his blood was crying out. But listen to what it says about the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus also cries out. It says this in Hebrews 12, 24, you have come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. What does it mean? I wanna read it in the, a different translation. It says this, you've come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus, we see the importance of blood. The life is in the blood and Abel's blood is leaving him. And it's saying, you know, revenge, justice. But Jesus Christ shed his blood for us and his blood screams mercy, pardon, forgiveness, acceptance, eternal life. It's screaming a better word a better word over us. And that's why we can sing like, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the lamb. His blood is streaming a different, better thing. First Peter 1, 18 and 19 says this, for you, know, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish. Precious blood. See, the Old Testament, the Bible days, they were familiar with sacrifices and they didn't even realize that the blood of these animals was uh, pointing to the blood of Jesus. They had no idea that, that all these animals that were being sacrificed, all this blood that was being shed was to cover their sin. Which, side note, if you remember the sermon I preached on sin, like, how bad is sin that the only thing that can take care of it is blood? It is terrible, and we treat it way too lightly. We might need to refresh ourselves and go back to that sermon on sin and realize how grateful we are that the blood of Jesus covers our sin. But they didn't even have uh, an idea. They didn't even have an idea that God was gonna shed his blood for them. Wow. The life is in the blood. In, in, the, in the Old Testament, this is interesting, in the Old Testament, there are all sorts of rules on here's how you're gonna be cleansed and here's how you're gonna wash and here's what you're gonna wear and then here's what you're gonna sacrifice so that God will show up and be honored. Isn't that interesting? He's like, you gotta be cleansed, you gotta be dressed, you gotta have the blood and then God will be honored and God will show up. But in the New Testament, God shows up. 
God is honored in the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ sheds his blood so that you can be cleansed and you can be forgiven. It's like it all gets reversed around in a greater. How amazing is the blood of Jesus? And, and you understand it more. Like in the video, he said, I don't think we understand the weight of the blood. I, I almost stopped the video if you couldn't tell. Like, pff, it just hit me. The weight of the blood. Do we understand the weight of the blood of Jesus that forgives us of our sins? I mean, the weight of the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus redeems us from the grip of death that we were in because Satan held us and he said, my blood redeems you and it bought you back. The blood of Jesus pardons us from our sins. It cleanses us from the moral cancer that is sin. It, it gives us power to overcome. It sanctifies us. It gives us eternal life. The blood of Jesus, the, it says, it washes white as snow. Wow, the blood. And if, if we were on the farm, we'd feel the weight of it more. Something about this just doesn't help me feel the weight. But the blood, seeing it leave the life of an animal, makes me understand Jesus died for my sins. Wow, what a powerful thing. Now, in just a moment, we're gonna close with a song, and it's popular all over uh, the airways right now. Uh, I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And after that, I want you to know that there's gonna be an opportunity for at all of our campuses and online for people to say yes to Jesus and have the blood applied to your life. What does that mean? That you can be forgiven. The blood of Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. And because he died on the cross and the life came out of him, his blood was shed so that you could have forgiveness of sin. And there'll be that opportunity for everyone. And you can raise your hand. And you think, well, I, I, do I have to prepare myself and get myself cleaned up and, and then get ready to make the sacrifice and tell him how much I wanna do. And then he'll show up. No, he's already showed up. He paid the price and you receive it by grace, by faith in the grace of God. And he gives you this grace. You don't earn it. And then he cleanses you and forgives you. But I want you to understand this statement in the song that we're gonna sing in just a moment at all the campuses. Um, I plead the blood. It comes from many verses and we understand the power of the blood. But in Exodus chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, we have the story of the Israelites, they were captive in Egypt. They were slaves in Egypt. And God's like, I'm going to deliver, deliver you from Egypt. There's gonna be one final plague. And in this final plague that's gonna happen, the death angel is gonna come down upon Egypt and the firstborn of everything is gonna die unless the blood is applied to the doorpost and over the top. If the blood of a lamb is applied there and you stay inside, the death angel will pass over. If you apply the blood, you'll be safe inside. That's where it comes from. And so this is what people are understanding and the song talks a little bit about. We understand with the power of Jesus' blood, but you're literally saying in the same way that that lamb, the blood was applied to there and you were safe inside. You understand now as a follower of Jesus Christ that the blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to your life and you are now safe, you are now protected. You have the blood of Jesus covering you. 
And so you can plead the blood over any area of your life as a follower of Jesus Christ because the blood has been applied to your life. You can plead the blood. Now I want you to understand when you plead the blood, it's not like you're begging, like I plead the blood, I plead the blood. No, it's a, it's a, it's a strength statement. And I'll try to illustrate it with something that won't even come close, but if you were in the court of law in America, you could plead the fifth. And as a form of defense against an attack against you, you could say, I plead the fifth. And you refuse to speak. Some have claimed that up to 500 times in certain court situations, I plead the fifth, I plead the fifth. And they're not like, I plead the fifth. They say it with confidence, I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. And I invoke my fifth and they, I plead the fifth. Well, when it comes to pleading the blood over your life, you're not like, I plead the blood. You're like, I plead the blood. I plead the blood over my family. Devil, I'm protected and my family belongs to God and you have no authority, I plead the blood. You can plead the blood over your business. This business glorifies God, I plead the blood. You can plead the blood over a situation that's going out of control. You have a, I plead the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid for this already. I plead the blood. And, and it's a strength move, it's a power move. There's something supernatural happening when you're reminding the devil when he's attacking you, I plead the blood. My family belongs to Jesus, I belong to Jesus. Everything I have belongs to Jesus. He's already paid for it all with his blood. I plead the blood. And there's a strength in that. And as we sing this song, I want you to feel the, the, the statement there means I'm putting my entire confidence I'm putting everything I have in the powerful, all-powerful blood of Jesus Christ that paid the price for my sins. There's other things I could do, but I plead the blood over this because that has more power than anything I could do on earth. It's supernatural, and I plead the wonderful blood of Jesus. So as we listen to this song, may the blood of Jesus Christ, Christ speak a better word over you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And amen.